We have been through quite a few of the chapters in Revelation, and we have seen that uh, the book of Revelation teaches us that there is a highly intelligent being that is the source of all the evil in the world. By the way, if you have missed any of these messages, I strongly recommend you to go in the back table and to pick up the messages that you have missed. The notes are there for you to read over and to connect with the passages. So notes from message 1, 2, 3, and 4 are already back there. You have the notes from this message today in your bulletin. Please follow with me as we go through there. The source of evil in the world is an intelligent being. He is continuously instigating evil thoughts and words and actions in our hearts, in our minds. Even as I speak as a human being, the things oftentimes come into my, my mind. I'm going, where did that come from? I can tell you that the enemy is nonstop in trying to get us to do what is wrong. Not all of it comes from him. Some of it comes from our own flesh. And some of it comes from uh, the things of the world that are there. And I can tell you that the terror of the end times will truly reveal the heart of every person. This world is going to be going through a horrible time in the last days. And the heart of every person will be revealed. Who are they loyal to? Are they loyal to Christ and, and, and the Jesus Christ and, and, and the Son of God? Or are they loyal to the world, the enemy, the devil, the unrighteousness and evil that he uh, projects into the world? And I can also tell you through these series that evil will be completely defeated by righteousness and God's forces. We're on the winning side. Praise the Lord for that. We're not on the losing side. We're on the winning side. God is going to make sure of that. All we have to do is make sure we're lined up and, and we're following him. The devil and his forces will easily be overcome by God and his righteous servants, men and angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth, the score will be God 500 million, the devil zero. So that's, that's good to know. Last week, we talked about the four trumpets that were the second part of the, uh, of the, of the series. There's three major uh, judgment series that goes on. The first one uh, were, the, uh, were, the, were the bowls. Uh, the next one is the trumpets. And the, the, the last one will be coming, uh, I'll be sharing with you. Last week, we talked about the four trumpets. And we talked about the uh, eagle, the flying eagle in the sky that will be broadcasting worldwide. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it will be uh, announcing this flying eagle of an angel. It looks like a flying eagle, but it's actually an angel that God will release on this world. <coughs> and the angel will be saying that the last three trumpets that uh, we have uh, the, of the seven trumpet series will be worse than the first four. Well, what were the first four trumpets? The first trumpet, of course, as you remember, was a worldwide hail and fire mixed with blood as it hits the earth. It was horrible. 
hell. Imagine hell. Most of you have been through hell before. Imagine it being mixed now with, with fire and with blood. The next, the second trumpet was a fiery mountain-like object that came into the sea. And the Bible says a third of the sea and a third of the sea creatures died. The third of the sea turned into blood. And a third of the sea creatures died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. The third trumpet was a fiery star-like object, probably an asteroid or a meteor that attacked the fresh water sources. A third of the fresh water in all of the world was poisoned. Many people drank from that and were killed because of the bitterness and the poison of the fresh water. The sources of fresh water were also touched. And I I remember telling you last week, the Sacramento River has as its source, it comes out of the ground up there in the area of the Redding, uh, the town of Redding, up there, it comes out of the ground as a spring, and then it goes, flows down through the valley, and then it finally ends up in the delta and then in the ocean. The source of fresh water will be hit by this fiery star-like object. Many land animals will die from that. And then, of course, the fourth trumpet, the sun, the moon, and the stars were struck and they lost a third of their light, which affected plants, which affected animals. So imagine the sun a third less bright as it is today, kind of like in a cloudy atmosphere, but but there wasn't a cloud. And then, of course, the flying eagle saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And what is that? That's simply the grace of God going, look, it's going to get worse It's time for you to get serious, those of you who are left on the earth. And we found out, folks, that before the judgments begin, the righteous will be taken out of the world in the rapture, and we will not be going through what's happening on the earth. So what's left are the unrighteous, those who haven't given their hearts to Christ. And yet there will be many who will give their hearts to Christ during the time of these judgments. But God is saying in his word that most, the vast majority of people will harden their hearts. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Even in the midst of the judgments, God's grace is there to help us and to warn us of the things that are about to come. The last three trumpets will be a much greater horror than the first four trumpets. The fifth trumpet is the first woe. And we we read last week, we saw that an angel, also called a star in Revelation, opens the abyss, the bottomless pit, and out comes terrifying spirit beings looking like scorpions and horses and men and long hair, They cause horrible pain, so much so that men want to die, but they cannot die, no matter how hard they try to escape the pain and the misery caused by these terrible creatures that come out of the earth, out of the abyss. They've been locked there, uh, waiting until the very hour that God allows them to be released, right there on this fifth trumpet, the first woe. And it will last for five months. Can you imagine this? Imagine being in acute pain for five months, long months, day and night, 
being stung and being hurt and tormented by these creatures that are all over the world. Wow. I have a hard time. When I stubbed my toe the other day, I got up. uh, I was watching TV, and I got up to go to the computer, and I don't wear shoes in the house, and I had my socks on, and I jammed my right foot, my little toe, into this leg of the ottoman next to us. I mean, smack. And I'm, I'm just hopping around going, I, don't, I can't, I'm going to bite my tongue. It's going to be better than that. Oh, gosh. If, you, if I took off my shoes and my sock, which I'm not going to do, I would show you my tootsie toe and it's all black right now. Not a good thing. Can you imagine the pain, which will be much worse than my little tootsie toe being stubbed, for five months. This week, we will look at the sixth trumpet, the two witnesses, and then we will look at the unholy trinity. The sixth trumpet is sounded in Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 26, uh, 13 through 21, sorry. It's the second woe. Remember? The flying angel, eagle, Whoa, whoa, whoa. First woe we've looked at. This is the second woe. There'll be a voice from the Lamb, the Lamb of God, from the golden altar before the throne, commanding an angel to release four rebel angels, dark angels that are presently bound up in the Euphrates River. This Euphrates River is not the same Euphrates River that we know now. It was the original Euphrates River found in Genesis chapter 5. That river has been put underground, subterranean, because of the flood, and it's an underground kind of a cistern. These four angels have been locked there by God, and they will be released, just like those scorpion things and they will go all over the earth. The one assignment that they have is to kill men. A third of mankind will be killed. Now we have, what, seven and a half billion people on the earth? That's a lot of people. It seems like every one of them is on the freeway when you get in your car. Where did these seven and a half billion people come from? Well, Imagine a third of them being taken out. So 2.5 billion people, however many, gone, killed by these four demonic angels. How long will this second woe last? It will last for 13 months, according to Scripture. And with these angels will be mounted demonic troops, not humans. And they will be mounted on horses and there'll be 200 million of them, as the as you read through here, it says <clears throat> they were they were uh, they will be uh, verses 13 through 21. The sixth angel blew his trumpet, released the four angels, and the four angels have been kept ready for this very hour. And the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. Some people have said, no, that's the army from Red China. Well, not really. If you look at it in the context of Scripture. Uh, These are demonic beings that will be hand-in-hand with these four demonic angels, and they will go out, and they have a weird appearance, and it describes it here, verses 17 through through 21. They have uh, breastplates, 
Fiery red, dark blue, and yellow. Seems like, are they describing tanks? Not really. The heads of the horses resemble the heads of lion. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Yeah, possibly, but not really. A third of mankind was killed by the plagues. And verse 19 says, out of Revelation chapter 9, the power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like snakes having heads which with they inflicted injury. I don't know about you, but I've been around horses before. I've ridden uh, some of them when I was a kid. I, they're big creatures. Some of you have ridden horses. You have any problem with them. But I do. I'm a little intimidated by them. I've never seen a snake on the tail of a horse before. You will in this situation. The snake will be at the end of this horse-like creature, and it will bite, and it will inflict death and pain. And out of the horses' heads came smoke and fire and all kinds of stuff. Not a pretty sight. And at verse number 20, verse number 20, it says this out of chapter 9, the rest of the mankind that were not killed, that's two-thirds left, by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, sexual immorality. The, the heart of man at this stage of the book of Revelation is so hard that they will shake their fists in the face of God as they are dying from these creatures. If we look at Revelation 10, it's kind of like a little break in between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. And what chapter 10 of Revelation basically says is that it's a picture of Jesus Christ who is described as uh, verse number 1, Re- Revelation 10. He's robed in a cloud, a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillows, pillars, just like Revelation chapter 1 is describing him. He had a little scroll in his hand and his right foot on the sea, left foot on the land, depicting that he is master of all of the earth, land and sea. Everything is under his dominion. And then he raises his hand to heaven and gives thanks unto the Father for the judgments that are about to come simply because that evil will finally be judged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse number 7 is interesting in chapter 10. I want to focus on that for a second. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets. What is the mystery of God? There's two possibilities here. Mystery of God, number one, is who is the Son of God? Is there ever been a representative of God the Father on the earth? And the answer is yes, in the face of Jesus Christ, in the form of Christ himself. So the mystery that the prophets spoke about in the Old Testament has come to pass, and now Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead, and he's in heaven. He's kind of orchestrating, helping to orchestrate this uh, last uh, time's judgment. But the second mystery is what I want to focus in on. And it's the mystery that I believe that my father expresses every once in a while when I'm uh, talking with him about salvation. He's 105. He just turned 105 June 25th. And he still watches David Jeremiah praise the Lord for that. 
And when I call him, I ask him, Dad, have you just seen Jared David? What do you think about the message? Oh, it's pretty good. I said, Dad, uh, did you have any questions about it? No. All right, well, uh, let me pray with you. And every time I pray, I so say, thank you, son, for praying. He's, he can think as clearly as you and me. No dementia. Praise the Lord for that. And he, but, but he still holds on to the fact that the evil is never punished in this world like it should be. People get away with stuff, and they never are called to account for it. And it's a mystery. Why not? Why does a good God allow evil in the world? Why does he allow these people, for lack of a better term, get away with stuff? You're probably wondering the same thing. Why does this stuff happen? Why can't there be... Why doesn't God come down and zap people? Why didn't he come down and take and look at Hitler and go... Stop killing my people. Why didn't he do that? I don't know. All I know is that the mystery of evil going unpunished will finally be solved. And evil will be punished. Everyone will get what they deserve perfectly from God the Judge who is perfect in all that he does. Hallelujah. I can guarantee you, folks, as Christians, we're not off the hook. Remember what I told you before? When we leave this earth in the rapture, do you guys remember what I shared with you? Some of you said, oh, I don't know, Pastor, that was so long ago. Yeah, it was only about three Sundays before Sunday. Anyway, when we leave this earth, we will stand before him and we will give an account of our life. And the things that are done in our hearts that are selfishly motivated or motivated by pride or whatever, will be burned up. That's it. Gone. And everything that we do for Christ that is unselfish and is motivated by love and is motivated to worship and to glorify Him will pass through the fire. And that is what we will hold with us when we go into eternity. So there will be a reckoning day for us as His children. But praise the Lord, it's not even close to what's going to happen to the unsaved because the evil that has been perpetrated on this earth will be judged. And those who are ungodly on the earth, when these things happen, they will go through horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. It will make the Holocaust in Europe look like a Sunday school picnic. I think I have everyone's attention, right? Okay. And then in Revelation 11, there's two witnesses that God will release. Remember the 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams, 12,000 from each tribe will be preaching the gospel. And I'll talk about them in a little bit. But these two witnesses will come to the earth and for three and a half years from the beginning, right after the rapture until the middle of the tribulation, they will be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, who are these guys? Well, let's take a look at it. Starting at uh, verse number 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. That's, that's three and a half years. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemy. Talk about bad breath. <clears throat> this is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They'll be fried. These men have power to shut up the sky. Hmm. 
so that it will not rain during the time they're prophesying, and they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague. Sounds like the plagues in Egypt when Moses was there. Water turned to blood, plagues came on the earth, flies and gnats and frogs. There's a message that an African-American brother preached years ago. It was entitled, One More Night with the Frogs. Because Moses had asked Pharaoh, with all the frogs everywhere, can you imagine this whole sanctuary full of frogs? Everywhere you go, you can't step without squishing frogs. Everywhere. How many of you are frog lovers? Let me see your hands. And Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, Pharaoh, um, you want me to get rid of the frogs? Because God placed them here and God can get rid of them. Pharaoh says, let me think about it overnight. So he went to bed with all the frogs. One more night with the frogs. Anyway, I thought that would be interesting for you. Now, who are these guys? Power to turn the waters into blood. Power to strike the earth with the plagues, just like Egypt. Some people believe that it's Elijah and Enoch. Some people believe that Moses is in there. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. If it's Elijah the prophet, out of Second Kings chapter 1, verse 11, it says, As they, Elijah and Elijah, were walking along and talking together, Second Kings, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So Elijah never died physically. And then you have a guy named Enoch back in Genesis chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Can you imagine living that long? 365 years? Wow. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. One of those days, Enoch went out for a walk. Hey, honey, I'll, I'll see you later. I'm going to go out for a walk around the neighborhood. See you later. And he stepped out of the house, started walking, and all of a sudden, gone. Kind of like the first rapture. Gone. He was no more, for God took him. So Enoch really didn't die a physical death. But then you have Moses, who died. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 5 and 7. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab on the east side of the Jordan River, looking into the promised land. As the Lord had said, Moses, you're going to die because you did something that, uh, that, dis, uh, that dissed me, disrespected me. He, God, buried Moses in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Good idea. Why wouldn't you, know, why wouldn't you want to know where Moses' grave is? That's right. Good answer is because it would be turned into a sacred shrine because he was such a powerful man. So God buried him. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak. He didn't need glasses. didn't need contacts. And his strength was not gone. He was still strong. So could be either Moses and Elijah or Elijah and Enoch or Moses and Enoch. Two men. Who knows? And after three and a half years, the Bible says the beast from the abyss came up, overpowered them, and killed them. God allowed them to be killed. They laid in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half, three and a half days. The bodies were there. All the cameras, TV cameras, were on the two, these two witnesses that had been proclaiming Jesus Christ. And anyone tried to get near them, they'd be go, Bleh! and they'd be toasty, crispy critters. 
And they would be saying, hmm, let's see, let's turn the Nile River into blood. Let's turn the Amazon into blood. Let's turn the uh, uh, Euphrates River into blood. Ah, oh, we're having a great time turning everything into blood and striking plagues all over the earth. People saying, we're having enough of this. We're going to kill you, and they can't kill them. And all of a sudden, God allows this beast from the abyss to come up and kill them, and their bodies are lying on the street. What do you think the world is doing? Yay, they're dead. The wicked witch is dead. Yay. They're having a party. They're gift-giving. There was a sermon called Christmas in Jerusalem. And it was talking about the gift-giving that the unsaved would do because the two witnesses died. They were Then, at the end of three and a half days, they got up on their feet, alive, and they were lifted up into heaven just like Jesus Christ was lifted up into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 says, After this he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them. And when they were taken up, it terrified the world. And as soon as they were taken up, an earthquake hit Jerusalem. 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were terrorized. They gave God praise. All right, we are running out of time. It's 11.30, and... I still want to get to the seventh trumpet and then Revelation chapter 12. So we'll do that next week. I've got all the notes ready, ready to go. You guys sitting on the edge of your seat? All right. It's good stuff. If you're a Christian and you know that you're not going to be part of this, it's good stuff because you know that you will... uh, be in the safe arms of Jesus Christ when all this mayhem is going on. I like those cartoons of mayhem. You guys, you guys see that guy mayhem? Remember, remember him, the mayhem? He, you know, he's at the he's at the wedding and he's he's the ring child, and he and he you know the, the ring bearer, yeah, the ring bearer, you know, and he's, he's doing all kinds of weird. He's just you know without. And at one point he's, uh, uh, I'm digressing. <laughs> he's under the seat, and the the guy, the driver, has, has dropped something, and he's. He's going around. The guy goes, miss me, miss me, miss me. And the driver looks down, distracted him. Boom! Runs into the car ahead of him. And then the mayhem guy gets out of the car. He goes, hey, it was, that was easy. You know, I, I cause all kinds of mayhem. Well, anyway, mayhem. Now I'm back to reality. Mayhem will be all over the earth. We will not be part of that. Rest assured. I want you this morning to know that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. We have no idea when this is going to start. When it starts, now we have the timetable. The rapture of the church could take place within the next week. It could take place within the next year, the next ten years. Who knows? The signs are all coming together, and we are excited. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Bow your heads with me. As we pray, Father, we just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that your word is very clear. There's so much for us to be uh, able to talk about it and to share. Your word is truth. We believe it. It's going to happen. It's going to be the words of John uh, in his day in the first century. It was difficult for him to put it into our 21st century language, but he did the best he could. And, but he did describe it accurately in so many ways. And then he had to use symbols for the things that he didn't understand. But it's still going to happen. 
all going to happen. The, the point is, are we ready to receive Jesus? Are we ready for the end times? Are we ready to go face to face with the Lord? Are you ready? If you were to die today and you were to stand before God and He were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell Him? Father, bless each person here today. Bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Encourage them with these words. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for His Word today. Thank you for Your Word today, Lord. Thank you for Your Word today. Praise the Lord for that.